0: Hello to our online viewers on Facebook. Glad you're joining us this morning. Uh, So we are continuing our six weeks of Easter kind of series. We've been asking six questions, or so far we've only asked three, but we're asking six questions in total about Jesus, right? Six questions for Easter. And we started out by asking the question: who? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the capital M Messiah, right? Who What? What did Jesus do on earth? He taught, he preached, and he healed people, right? We talked about how even his healing was a form of teaching people about the things to come in God's kingdom here on earth, the infiltration of God's kingdom on earth. We asked who, what, where did Jesus go was last week. That centered around the obvious answer, well, yes, Jesus went everywhere, but specifically, Jesus went towards the disenfranchised, the people who did not have a voice. We talked about Legion, right? The man who is compelled to live outside of the city, not just by the demons within him, but the people in his own community, right? The people who took away his voice in a way. But then we talked about how Jesus not only restored this man, but gave him a voice, gave him a job to do and things to do with that voice, And we looked at ourselves and said, who are we not hearing from? Who are we not surrounding ourselves with that looks different than I do, that has a different perspective than I do? Am I cutting out here? Okay. We're good? Okay. Who are we not surrounding ourselves with that's different from us? How can we go towards the disenfranchised to see what God might be calling us to? In an update, I did go to Waffle House, okay? If If you weren't here last week, uh, I talked about going to Waffle House, and I did. I had a very small conversation with Nancy. She was busy, but I tried. Okay? And that's, and, you know, go back and watch last week, okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but it is going to the places where you are uncomfortable and, and having those uncomfortable conversations sometimes that Christ is calling us to do and to be about. So today we're going to jump right into this, this, uh, this um. Topic today, when have you encountered Jesus by going straight to Scripture? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 16. We'll be reading 21 through 27. Matthew 16, 21 to 27. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day he uh, be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So my question is, what's going on here, right? We look in the the context of the the gospel of Matthew, and this is the first of three times that Jesus is going to publicly predict his death, okay? He's telling people exactly what's going to take place, and this is the first time it happens, okay? And so Peter stands up as he always wants to be the spokesperson for whoever he's with, and he has this to say to Jesus, this shall never happen to you, okay, okay? This shall never happen to you. Peter is bold. He looks around and he hears what Jesus is saying. He looks at his friend. He looks at his ally, his colleague, his savior, and says this description of what is going to come will never happen to you. Right? Why is this? If you think back to me, with me, the very first question we asked is who is Jesus, right? And we said Messiah, capital M, Messiah, that this Messiah is going to be completely different, radically different than anybody could think or imagine a Messiah to be. right? We had our many messiahs of David and Saul, the people who were anointed as God's chosen person to lead Israel. But guess what happened to David and Saul? They messed up quite a bit. And guess what else happened? They died and they never rose from the dead. Those many messiahs they had no ability, no capability of doing what our capital M Messiah Jesus is going to do for us. But Peter doesn't have that perspective just yet, right? Are you with me? Peter doesn't have the perspective that is needed to understand what Jesus is saying. So I'm not trying to talk down to Peter because Peter's reaction is probably the same reaction I would have. Do you feel the same way? If your friend were to come to you and you have these lofty aspirations of what your friend is going to do and be about in this world... And he says, I'm going to actually die at the hands of the people who are not necessarily really in control of everything. Of course you're going to say, this will never happen to you. Maybe in the back of his mind, he's thinking, I will never let that happen to you. You feel the tension here because he's still working from the idea that Jesus is this Messiah that they're expecting, not the Messiah he's going to turn out to be. Are you with me? Nod your head if you're with me, all right? I need, I need you guys, okay? Okay. They're not ready for this Messiah, this type of Messiah. Are you with me? In in Matthew 16, verses 24 through 25, we talked about this. We just read it, but they're not ready for it, okay? Then Jesus said to his disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That doesn't sound like a place of power to me, does it? It does not, okay. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is the opposite of the Messiah that Peter is waiting for. The opposite of what Israel, what the Jewish people are waiting for. And this is what Jesus is saying he is about. If you are my disciple, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. If you want to save your life, you must lose it for the sake of of me and what I'm bringing to the table as the capital M, Messiah. And what makes this even more interesting is the context of even Matthew chapter 16, okay? We talked about this as well already. You probably already know this, but for the sake of refreshing our minds, this is in Matthew 16, verses 15 through 16, okay? This is in the context where Jesus is asking, who are people saying that I am, okay? And this is what he says to Peter, but what about you, Jesus asked, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That happens mere moments maybe before this other interaction takes place, right? Peter gets it. He understands who Jesus is, what he's about, and then he does something that we all have the ability to do, which is he puts Jesus into a box. You with me? He puts Jesus into a box. We're going to explain that here in a minute. But Jesus has a problem here with what, what Peter is going through. When he rebukes Jesus, he takes Jesus aside in the verses that we read in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 16, where he says, this will never happen to you. Jesus has a very big problem with that because not only is he getting in the way of what he's saying, he says that this is his problem, is that you have human concerns on the mind, right? Right? He has lowercase m, Messiah, concerns on his mind. But Jesus is about the capital M, Messiah, concerns, the ultimate concerns. And Peter, you're you're consumed with your human concerns. And maybe I'm alone, but I find myself in these concerns as well. Because as people, we prefer to engineer away our problems, okay? Anybody ever done that before? Maybe I'll be specific about it. We like order, right? Maybe some of you like chaos. I don't know. But for the most part, we like order. You can even see it in the way our roads are designed, and I know that might be a sticky subject for some people, okay? But we have people who go to college, who go get their master's, who do all this, like, education work, and their job is to make sure traffic flows in a certain way because we hate problems, And that's what we do with other things in our lives, too. We want to have these perfect ways, these precise ways in which we're going to move about life and have all the right answers and have all the right details down so that whenever a problem comes up, we have a solution for it. But the problem is sometimes when we get into the nuts and bolts of those things, those nuts and bolts become human concerns. Are you with me? We don't have the concerns of Jesus in mind sometimes when we're worrying about the details. When we are so, I don't know, infatuated with the ins and outs, we forget about how Jesus is moving and acting through it all. Are you with me a little bit? He is active. He is moving. But sometimes our human concerns outweigh the power of Christ, which is insane, right? It is insane for us to say we have the Holy Spirit living within us. But when a human concern comes up, we say, oh, there's no way that Jesus can handle that. It's funny. It's funny. But we do it all the time. And just like us, just like Peter, we get bogged down with human concerns. But Jesus likes these unexpected moments. right? We talked last week about how Jesus gets to this place where there's this guy chained up, and then Jesus walks towards that guy. How I said, I would want to be the disciple watching our boat. I don't want to be a part of that situation. Jesus, you go handle it. I'll stay back here. Jesus thrives in those unexpected moments, those human concerns that bog our memory and our, our minds down. Jesus loves to work in that place. But the problem is we don't allow him to work in those places. Are you with me? Because if we, if we read this, this, this um, Matthew 16 where, where, where Jesus calls Peter Satan, Satan, Right? He literally calls Peter his adversary at that moment. He becomes a stumbling block for Jesus because Jesus is trying to do a great work, but Peter says, no, 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 no. This is never going to happen to you. And Jesus says, get out of my way because I'm about to do something crazy with your human concerns. You just don't understand it yet. A lot of good work happens within this place, but only Jesus can really work in that place. Amen? Okay, so the question is, I want to ask you for you to ponder yourselves. When was the last time you encountered Jesus? Don't answer out loud, okay? When was the last time you encountered Jesus? As you think, uh, we can see from our reading that not all encounters are very well received, okay? I'm sure that Peter was not very excited to be uh, called Satan, right? To be called Jesus' adversary, a stumbling block. His friend is calling him his biggest enemy at that moment. But the situation does seem awkward uh, for Peter, right? But that's what Jesus does. He breaks the mold. He breaks barriers, and he takes some situations that are good encounters. And he also has these encounters where we have to question ourselves a lot. I think about not just with Peter, but with like the rich young ruler. You guys remember this guy, where he comes and he says, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" And then Jesus gives him the answer he wants to hear. And then the, the rich young ruler is like, well, I've done all those things for a really long time. I must be a really good guy. And then Jesus says, there's one more thing you have to do, right? He says, you have to go and sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. And then what, what does the rich man do? He walks the opposite direction. See, that was an encounter with Jesus, which seemed like a really good encounter at first. Yes, I've done all the good things to inherit eternal life. But then he really encounters Jesus, and then he recognizes, oh, I actually need a lot of work done in my life. And you see, that's what a lot of our encounters might look like. And I'll just briefly share with you here. My first real encounter that I can really just physically remember is the time where Jesus kind of entered my life at Florida Bible Camp. Right? You might have these camp stories yourself. I was 16. I was going to Bible Camp because I knew there would be girls at Bible Camp. Okay? I had never heard of Bible Camp ever I went to this church, and someone said, hey, you should go to this Bible camp. And I was like, sure, there's probably girls my age there. That's a, I'll be away from my parents for a week, and that would be awesome. What I didn't realize is that Jesus was going to use my immaturity and do something crazy in that moment, crazy in that week, to where I had gotten to the point where I had no business or no intentions on ever being baptized because all the people at my church saying, hey, boy, you should get baptized. I don't want to do it now. <laughs> The best way for me to not do something is to tell me to do something, right? But when I went to Bible camp and when I experienced that, it was the most unexpected encounter of my life. We're sitting there. We're singing these songs that I've heard my entire life. The the words aren't different. But all of a sudden, I just begin to sob. And the last thing you want to do as a 16-year-old boy around girls at Bible camp is start to cry but I literally couldn't handle it. I, like, my body was like shaking. I didn't know what was going on, and then I look up and everybody's gone from the room. I've been crying for so long that everybody's like, let's just leave this guy alone, and we're gonna go do our evening activity. Um, But I had a conversation with the guy who was kind of leading the session, and from that point on, I decided to follow Jesus. And Now, it wasn't a magical moment where immediately everything got better, but that encounter led me to other encounters. Are you following me? It's like when my eyes were opened, it's like, oh, I recognize this is an encounter with Jesus. And it's not always those big, shiny moments where you can pinpoint and just say, that was a moment, but it's the little things, too. It's not just the answered prayers, it's the unanswered prayers as well. It's living life in the different perspectives you have where you say, that was actually an encounter with Jesus. I just didn't know it at that moment. Or that person, that conversation I had, that was an encounter with Jesus, but I didn't know it yet. Oh, that random prayer that I threw up when I I was in line at the store with that person, that was an encounter with Jesus. I could go on and on and on. But I want you right now to think of these moments in your life. They're not always these magical moments. Sometimes it can be those moments where you're like, I don't want this encounter with Jesus, right? Sometimes we don't want that. But it is an encounter with Jesus. And there are some people who might look to their baptism story as their one and only encounter with Jesus. Unfortunately, this is the case. And if that is your one and only encounter with Jesus, your life is going to look a little bit different. You have this one milestone, you have this one experience where you look back and say, Jesus was there in that moment. But the problem with those people is that their faith usually stays the same way as they experience it in that moment. Right? There's never any growing. There's never any other encounters that they recognize so that their faith is very immature. So the same faith they had when they were 14 years old is the same faith they have when they are 50. And that is not, that's not what God's calling us to do, right? God is calling us to mature in our faith, surround ourselves by people who are living and having these encounters with Jesus because you know the people who are encountering Jesus daily, right? You know these people. I know a lot of people at this church. I don't want to say their names right now because I didn't ask them. But they are the people who come up to you and say, I've been praying for this and this is what happened. I've been praying for you this week. I have had this experience with this person that I've been praying for. They talk about their prayer life as if they're putting on their shoes in the morning. They have these experiences where it's like, how are are you even seeing that through the lens of Jesus? That was the the most random experience. How are you saying that that was a Jesus moment? For them it was because they're so in tune with the Spirit that as they walk, they're carrying the presence of Jesus with them and encountering Jesus daily. My encouragement to us all is to find those people. And guess what? There's a lot of them in this room right now. Please seek out those people because they make your experience deeper. So I have a video clip here, okay? Very short. I'm gonna preface, this is from Jurassic Park, okay? I promise it connects, all right? Watch with me. You got volume on this? We've been pre-booking tickets for months. The park needs a new attraction every few years in order to reinvigorate the public's interest, kind of like the space program. Corporate felt genetic modification would up the wow factor. They're dinosaurs, wow enough. Not according to our focus groups. The Indominus Rex makes us relevant again. The Indominus Rex. We needed something scary and easy to pronounce. You should hear a four-year-old try to say Archeornithomimus. We should hear you try to say it. All right. So you guys know I love Jurassic Park. That was actually Jurassic World. But did you catch the, the interaction they had? The, the woman, Claire, is talking about this new attraction they're, they're going to have, this new dinosaur. And, and she says that it has you know it's scarier, that the corporate wants something more interesting. And his response is, they're dinosaurs. Isn't that wow enough? But you see, the problem with people in this world here is that they've become so desensitized to this crazy thing that's happening with them. And I would say the exact same thing happens to us within our Christian walks. Okay, you you, you walk around and you say, you know, I was baptized when I was 12, I go to church. What you don't realize is that you have the Holy Spirit living within you. We talked about this in class this morning. Isn't that wow enough? Isn't that something that is going to let you just experience Jesus in a completely new and interesting way every single day? For believers who are in that moment and in that mindset, yes. But for some people, they've become so desensitized to it that they don't see Jesus working in their life every day. And it is unfortunate because if you look around, the air that you breathe, the things that you experience, Jesus is in and among us every single day. We need to wake up. Isn't the Holy Spirit wow enough I think so. We are encountering Jesus every single day, but we're just not seeing it. We're desensitized to what the Spirit is putting before us, those Waffle House experiences, right? Those little interactions where we can be Jesus to those people, we're desensitized to it, and we need to wake up because you are, we all are, encountering Jesus every day. Let's see it happen. Let's wake up to this. Let's not be desensitized to it. And it's crazy because we, we can become desensitized to it. I know that I have. Life is hard sometimes. Life is busy. But I want to give you this example from Paul here. And Paul might be a bad example. I've, to, I've told people this before. If I was friends with Paul, he would make me feel bad every day. Because his energy is unbelievable. But let's, let's read Philippians 3 together. No, no, I will read it, okay. But wh- whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Do you hear that energy from Paul? There's not a chance that Paul is desensitized to encountering Christ. Over and over again, I want to know Christ. Do you realize who is speaking here? Paul. Paul, this guy who is literally blinded by Christ and then spoken to by Christ, given this great calling to be a missionary for Christ. He does all these great things and he continues to say, not that I have already attained this or not that I have already achieved my goals. He is striving and striving because he recognizes the power of Christ has more and more to offer him. He is not desensitized to encountering Jesus. Every interaction he has is an encounter with Jesus in a way. I think back to the crazy stories about Paul. You remember when he was bitten by a snake? You guys remember that? Paul was, he was making a fire on one of his journeys, and he gets bit by a snake. My worst nightmare, okay? He takes that snake, he throws it into the fire, and it's like he doesn't skip a beat. Why? Because he knows in that moment he's not about to die by a snake biting him because Jesus has bigger plans for him. He has this mindset of, I got more to do, more to learn, and more to be affected by Christ. I'm about to encounter Christ in a new and real way every single day. And that is the energy that we need to bring to our walks as well. Each encounter draws Paul deeper and deeper into knowing Christ, to knowing and feeling Christ in his life. Now compare Paul's attitude that we just read to what Peter talks about. Okay that remember it was a long time ago about this point <laughs> in Matthew chapter 16 but when Peter confronts Jesus he rebukes Jesus compare the attitudes there Paul knows there's more and more and more to be seen but Peter still has Jesus in this box remember the box i talked about this box that he can clearly define, this box that says Jesus is going to be this, this lowercase Messiah is going to be this, you cannot die at the hands of these people because you have to do this. He doesn't understand what's going on. His human concerns have put Jesus into a box. And I'm going to say we're a whole lot more like Peter than we are like Paul most of our lives. I'm not saying this for everybody, but we have the... I don't know, I don't want to say the the, uh, propensity to put him in a box, but we do. We want Jesus to be understandable. We want Jesus to be in our hands and to be who we want him to be. But there's so much more to be found in Jesus. Each encounter drawing you deeper and deeper to knowing who he is and what he's calling you to be. So my question is, what should we do about it? We talk about these encounters. We talk about putting Jesus in a box. We talk about being desensitized to the spirit of God. What do we do about it? The very first thing I think we ought to do is to tell someone about our first encounter with Jesus. The power in sharing story is so much deeper than just giving facts. We talked about that too, right? How Jesus would teach with stories. I'm asking you to do the same thing. Because when you share your story, it invites someone to share their story with you. It invites you to revisit where you were when you first encountered Jesus. And hopefully that perspective can propel you to knowing who Jesus is calling you to be deeper and deeper. And to see more encounters with Jesus in your life. So the first thing that I'm asking you all to do is to share with someone today about your first encounter with Jesus. You can even cheat. Okay? Do it at lunch with whoever you're at lunch with. Text your best friend. It doesn't have to be a random person at Waffle House, okay? It can be anybody that you want to share your story with, this encounter with Jesus. The second thing is is that we need to be more willing for this. Be willing to encounter Jesus today. Like I said, as people, we like to engineer our problems out of our day, right? Right? Encountering Jesus sometimes invites a little more problems into our lives. It might invite problem people into our lives. We talk about how Jesus would go into complex situations and make sense of it all. That's what we are asked to do as people of God too. As as, as disciples of Christ, we are being called to step into those situations. And we have to be ready and willing to encounter Jesus even today. So that's just two things, okay? Tell someone about your first encounter and be willing to encounter Jesus today. This has been the photo I've had in the background of all the slides. And I chose it because there is these two people. I hope you can see it. There's a woman in white and there's a guy wearing a black shirt. And they seem to be two of the only people in the cafe. And to me, that kind of symbolized, for whatever reason, sometimes our encounters with Jesus that we could be sitting across the way, we could be in the same room with Jesus, but we're not expecting him to be there, but he's really there waiting for us. And I hope this image kind of resonates with you as it is with me, because Jesus could be right around the corner and we have no idea, because we're not willing to encounter him that day. So my my prayer is for us to be willing to encounter Jesus and for you to share your first encounter with someone today. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for giving us uh, the example here where Peter is consistently being his spokesperson for, for many, and, and along the way, he's learning a lot. And God, I, I see myself as Peter, where I do put you in a box, and sometimes I do find myself desensitized to the Spirit. And we look back and we say the Spirit should be wow well enough. We know all these things about the Spirit, but we, we don't recognize just how truly deep The Spirit can touch our lives and the people around us. God, help us to encounter Jesus today. Help us to have perspective to know that Jesus is showing up. And help us to tell other people about those experiences because the more we share those experiences, the more real and tangible they can become in our hearts and in our community. God, be with us as we go from this place. So just let me pray. Amen. Now, if you feel like your story is not worth sharing, I'm going to tell you right now you're wrong. If your story involves Jesus working in your life, share it with someone. If you want to share it this morning, this is the time we offer anything that you need to bring. Hurt, hope, whatever it might be. If you want to bring something forward this morning, we invite you to come while we stand and we sing.